Digging for others' underlying interests and their concerns is essential for optimal problem solving. As an expert in negotiation and conflict resolution, I've learned that the most important way to get an optimal solution is to understand why people want what they say that they want. What are their underlying interests, their underlying concerns, their underlying feelings? It's truly essential to find a path where everybody's interests can be met at least reasonably well. If we don't know what people want, it's very hard to problem solve and create an optimal solution. I'm Jason Gore, and I'm here with executive coach Robert McNaughton. Thanks, Jason. I think this is an essential practice of learning how to understand each other better, that all humans can get better at, um, so that we don't always get sucked down into uh, being dedicated to our conceptions. Yep. You know, Robert, I started my career off as a consultant, and frankly, this is what I did. I went around and interviewed people and found out what were their underlying interests and helped them solve their problems. And I was always amazed that they couldn't do it on, them, on their own, that this you know, 21-year-old can go in and whether it was Department of Defense, nuclear power plants, Bell Operating Companies, whatever it was, like just using this one tool, literally, like there was projects that within six months I was saving these companies and these organizations millions upon millions of dollars. Um, for me, this is the root of problem solving. Without understanding what people are optimizing for, there's simply no way to get to a solution that's optimal. And it does take some skillful means to cut through the positions of what people say they want, cut through their demands and their proposals to get to the bottom of how people arrived at their opinions. But once there, it's gold. And then you can rebuild and really create optimal solutions. So I'm pretty passionate about this one. Good. Well, um, so it seems like there's probably a lot of common sense, some obvious things here, but let's talk about the cost to the leader <laughs> uh, when people aren't digging for underlying assumptions. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole book on this topic, by the way, um, the book Getting to Yes, um, which is basically the, one of the fundamental primers for negotiation. You know, there's so many classes out there um, that all point to this one thing, which is you, to solve problems, you have to solve based on underlying interests. But why people say they're saying, why they say what they're saying, why they want what they're wanting. Let me just tell a quick story that really demonstrates like the costs. Um, and this is in the book Getting TS, by the way. So two kids are fighting over an orange and they both want the orange. And their mother wakes up and is frustrated that they're fighting, that frustrating, frustrated that they are fighting and cuts the orange in half, gives half the orange to one child and half the orange to the other child, kind of as you would expect, right? It's a kind of a compromise. But then one child eats the orange as you, you'd expect, but the other one throws the orange, the fruit away and actually uses the peel to make a pie, hmm. right? The point of the story, simple story, is that if you solve problems based on what people say they want based on their positions. Yeah. It's the wrong thing to solve for. They both wanted the orange, right? But if you saw from there, like you can't create an optimal solution until you find out why they want the orange. Yeah. I mean that, you know, making assumptions about why people are wanting something is the, is the problem I'm seeing here. And it's kind of like, you know, and uh, you know, King David saying, you know, he's going to, you know, uh, cut the, cut the baby <laughs> in half. When, you know, 
do one of the, you know, and, and the obvious mother said, no, 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 she can, she can take it. The other one just like, you know, wanted to win there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always, you know, uh, un- underlying values and reasons why we want things that aren't always the same as what they appear on the surface. Yep. But, you know, it's funny because as obvious as this is, as common sense as this is, it's not common practice. Right. It, you know, like what you, when I ask people, what's your negotiation strategy? They say, this is what I'm going to push for, right? This is the solution. And I'm like, no, that's not a good negotiation strategy. How about if you start with asking them questions, finding out why they're pushing for something very different than what you're pushing for. Otherwise, you're just picking a fight. Well, what gets in the way of leaders naturally doing this? You know, you probably see this a lot too, Robert, but I think people going into conversations, pushing their view, and seeing winning as getting their way sure. rather than seeing winning as having a collaborative process where everybody wins. And in a negotiation setting, there's a little bit of a joke, like I win more than you win, but that we both actually get our needs met. In most business scenarios, you know, people don't realize that like if you get into a contract is the beginning of the marriage. Getting to an agreement is the beginning of the partnership. Right. And so, it's like how you get there is important and finding out what they care about is going to be really important as you execute whatever agreement you come to. And that's the same thing in the home environment. Yep. Yeah, I would say, you know, it's, it's natural habit gravity that gets in the way of people normally doing this. It just simply takes more energy to go beyond our own assumptions about what's happening and imagine that there's, there's uh, something else happening. I mean, th- these are natural things that happen like when there's more safety, when there's more abundance and resource availability, people are naturally curious and, totally. and want to know more. But when there's resource scarcity, if I haven't gotten enough sleep, if the you know, company's not hitting their targets, if you know, the boss is upset, you know, um, I'm going to preserve energy by assuming that, that what I, what's my opinion is the right one and then more mm-hmm. and more mistakes happen. And, you know, to your point, there's a real science that proves exactly what you said. In relaxed conversations, this question happens automatically. Why do you want that? What's, what's important to you? Like, it happens. Yes. In the resource-constrained um, situations, we forget to ask that question. And often, I think, in those cases, we assume we understand why the person wants what they want. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, so let, let's talk about how leaders can actually like start doing this really well. And what, what do we look for um, to, to make sure that we're giving this the opportunity, even if we're in resource scarcity? Yeah, you know, let's, let's handle it at the strategic level first and then at the tactical level. Um, at the strategic level, I think it's really about being and entering a conversation from a collaborative perspective. Yes. Like you, you have to remember you need both parties to say yes and they both have to actually be yes in a, with a good yes to move forward effectively, right? I mean, you know, it, it sucks when someone, you think you kind of won and then it turns out someone's backstabbing you because they just walked away and they're finding other ways to have their needs met. Like you want to know about those needs. Um, so strategically, like, like approach these whether it's a conflict situation, a negotiation, really any conversation as one that you're trying to get to a collaborative solution. Um, and that, that strategy is important. I think that's paramount, Jason, that um, it's natural that we're going to come into a conversation um, and, 
and look out for our own self-interests, which leads us to being combative. And um, that if we can hold, you know, in our mindset and our intentions, that we're, we're collaborative, that we're looking for co-creative solutions, that we're all on the same team, that mm -hmm. we can actually start a conversation being really clear about what we're in service of together, that's naturally going to lead into having me want to understand where you're coming from more. Yep. And I think the other mental construct that kind of lives at the strategic level is to assume that you have partial information. Yep. Um, and that your information may not be fully accurate either. Only and correct. so you don't know exactly what they want and you really don't know the outcomes that you'll get if you actually got what you want. And so to, to approach it more as a scientific investigation than an emotional demand trying, trying to get what you want, you know? So yeah, yeah. assuming partial information. Exactly. And, you know, that, you know, focusing on the other person's ideas and perspectives first as a habit of coming into a conversation, especially if you know uh, there, there might be already some defensiveness or combativeness online. Um, the more I can start by like getting interested in where you're coming from, seeing if I understand you correctly, checking that out as a habit that can be developed and it helps this tremendously. Mm -hmm. So tactically, in terms of how this shows up in conversations. Um, one of the best tactical pieces of advice I could give is to focus on the other person's positions and ideas first. Find out what they care about, why they want it, because as soon as you put your idea on the table or push for your solution, they're going to get defensive, right, and be less open. So why don't you, just, you find out what's going on for them and what's really important to them, you know, and how they prioritize the situation, because that gives you a lot of ammo to actually influence them. Yeah. Yeah, one of the uh, tools I came across on this is from kind of like an engineering perspective. We call it goal factoring, is that like if you start to factor all the pieces that go into the goal that you think you want, you'll find that there's lots of components. Like you were speaking with the orange story, you know, one person wanted the peel for the pie, one wanted to eat the fruit. If we can, you know, start to dig in there and look for like, well, what are they actually going to get if they get this? Mm -hmm. Find ways to um, to compromise and collaborate more effectively. That there's there's often other other routes to solving the same issue. You know, and the other thing is usually when you're in situations like this in the business context, there's a lot of shared interests. We tend to, in an influence situation, go right for the differing and conflicting interests. Sure. But there's some interests that are shared. Otherwise, you wouldn't be at the table in the first place. There's right. some that are just different, like you want this and I want that, and we can kind of both have what we want as long as there's enough value on the table. And then there's a whole bunch of conflicting interests for some of them, like money is one. You know, $1 more for you is $1 less for me. Um, but to really focus on all those things, and I like to actually – start with the shared interests and build some momentum rather than going right for the gusto. Yeah. Yeah. So simply what I'm hearing tactically, you know, asking questions, obviously, and then also, you know, paraphrasing what I hear you say, you mm -hmm. know, instead of just jumping right into why are my ideas better or, um, you know, what I want to go forward with. I mean, this is a practice that's paramount. I really want to emphasize this of like, just, did I hear you right? What mm -hmm. I heard say was XYZ. Is that correct? That so often will bring up so much more than we think it will. Yeah. And even if it is correct, like it's spot on, usually what they'll say, they'll do is that they'll add some subtlety. Okay, great. You got that level. Let's go to, let's go to floor two. What right. this really about is that necklace is really important to me for this whole other reason. You know, like all mm -hmm. this like subtlety comes out. And they'll um, actually 
feel more safe and secure, you know, by actually just paraphrasing back to them instead of being combative and, you know, saying how they're wrong, you're right. They're going to feel more like, oh, they're actually being heard. And it's, they're going to be more receptive as well, naturally. The essence here that I think we're both, you know, pointing to is to understand the other person's underlying interests, be clear on yours before you move into problem solving, right? Before you try to put proposals, negotiate, navigate the future, get clear on where you both stand and what's important to you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's step one for so much um, that we talk about with conflict. And so these are fundamental practices that the more you put energy into them and practice them and integrate them into your professional and personal life, all of it will thrive. Yeah. I, 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 you know, of all the practices that we're talking about, this is one of the, one of the ones that has relevance in almost every conversation and every area of life. Yeah. Okay, great. So, so when we're doing this well, when we're when this is done with excellence, what are the markers of how it's how how does this show up uh, yeah. with me in my company and my relationships? Well, you know, I've done a lot of coaching on very difficult negotiations. Um, I was trained at the Harvard Law, Law School negotiation program there, and I get to I got to parachute in to usually coaching one side of a negotiation. And almost always, we would spend a lot of time preparing, right? They're, they're kind of hiring kind of big guns to help them prepare on these tough negotiations. And when they're really successful, when they're done well, what they usually come out saying is, huh, that was pretty straightforward. That was, that was easy. It felt like a collaboration. It didn't feel yeah. like a tough conversation. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, I've also noticed that in cultures that that get really good at this, it's like a conflict doesn't uh, appear as a threat and it's not avoided. It's actually kind of looked for and seen as opportunities to build more trust and build more innovation in what we're working on. Cause it's like, it's like when knowing that I have blind spots and knowing that getting information about my blind spots makes me better. I start to hunger to get information about what's in my blind spot. Now, Robert, you've operated more in a, in a, a public setting, working with a lot of people that, you know, weren't in a business, uh, you know, business context. Um, so you've seen a ton of conflicts. How has this shown up for you in those conflicts? How has this skill set um, shown up? Well, I mean, it, it's pretty simple that it's often a lot of people that I've worked with, you know, aren't familiar to these ways of addressing conflict and, and, and working with each other on a more nuanced level. And so I naturally see that they come in with a mindset of conflict is bad. We need to avoid that. Let's be nice. And then when role modeled um, of what happens or facilitated uh, through that and seeing that when they learn a little bit more, there's an aha moment. It feels good. Our relationship is stronger. There's there's kind of a renewed trust in, uh, in humanity in a certain sense, but also seeing that like, yeah, we actually can get better and actually conflict isn't something that we need to, to fear so much that there's actually a lot of value there. So it's, 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 mm. it's quite inspiring to, to see it. You know, I've come to the conclusion that the reason that is, is because we're mostly trained how to deal with conflict in our youth in primarily dysfunctional family units where most people don't have training in conflict and negotiation and, and how to collaborate. Um, it's, it just doesn't exist in our society in a very big way. And so we kind of bring those bad habits forward. And so, yeah, people are afraid um, to navigate conflict. But 
as you're saying, Robert, I really do think a conflict can be a huge opportunity to, opportunity to build trust and kind of create a new platform to move forward with a business partner, a friend, someone that you're working with in the community. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe Gen Z already has this all figured out, but for those <laughs> of us um, that uh, are still growing with this, I mean, I know, I've known this for years and years, and I still have to remind myself and be re-inspired about it all the time. So let's, um, let's offer some, some kind of experiments and next steps for how um, we can be bringing this into our lives right away. Uh, I think the first thing to remember is that, that it's not, not common practice. Yep. You actually have to remember to do it, right? It is common sense, but it's just not in our, uh, in our worlds very deeply. So just remembering to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. Starting, starting with asking questions. And then the, the other one we just talked about was, uh, you know, instead of jumping ahead and waiting for my opportunity to speak, making sure I'm hearing what you're saying, using paraphrasing um, so that uh, I can check out to see what you've said so mm -hmm. that that reiterates that we're on the same page, that we're collaborating, that your opinions actually matter to me, mm -hmm. and that they may not be what you thought they, they were when you spoke them to me. Yeah. So, you know, to, to play the order of things, you know, you might ask, well, why do you want this? Mm -hmm. And then they tell you what they want, and then you paraphrase back, okay, so you want this because then you'll have this, this, and this. Right. Right. And then that usually leads to a, a larger conversation and other questions. Yes. Yeah, that, that's my favorite uh, um, one of the like, okay, so got it. You, you want to raise, you know, if, if, you, uh, if you get that, what, you know, what will that give you that you really want? And then like continuing to ask the question of, you know, what will that give you? Uh, they really want tends to tends to bring up some really deep stuff if you want to get to a more personal level. You know, as as a business coach specializing in startups, I have a lot of solopreneurs that will ask me, "Well, I'm trying to raise a million bucks or five hundred thousand dollars, or you know." And you know, my question is, "Okay, well, what will you do with the money?" Right. And they'll start to lay out some things, and it turns out that they might not need five hundred thousand or a million dollars. They might need like ten thousand dollars. Like, like you start to ask them questions of like, if you had that what would you do with it? Yeah. And then they start to realize like, oh, I could actually do a lot of this without money. Yes. Right? And, and just the question, the, sometimes the underlying interests change because people go deeper inside of their own understanding when they start to imagine that future. Exactly. And as with a lot of these practices we talk about, the real surprise you'll get is when, you, when you're able to do this with yourself too. And that I notice is like, oh, I really want to, you know, do this with my weekend or I want to buy that thing or something. When I'm in this practice, I start asking myself, it's like, okay, why do I want that? Mm -hmm. um, what am I getting out of that? And all of a sudden I get more collaborative and co-creative with myself, which is where things get really fun. So the key takeaway here is if you try to solve problems based on people's positions, what they say they want, you'll end up creating suboptimal solutions. Mm -hmm. um, instead, understand the underlying interests, why people say why people want what they say they want. And then once you really understand those underlying interests, solve from there. Really good stuff, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. And to all the leaders out there, we're hoping that this conversation has been super helpful.